Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. We had been discussing chapter 7, Gnana Vignana Yoga, Yoga of Knowledge and Wisdom. And so far in Bhagavad Gita we have seen that the quest in human life is to find the answers for these three questions. Who I am, what is my relationship with the world, and what is the nature of the Supreme. We had a paradigm shift in chapter 2 which said, You are not the mortal being, but you are an immortal being. It's a big paradigm shift for us because we consider ourselves to be mortals. We have birth and we have death. We have birth date and death date sooner or later. Chapter 2 changed that paradigm said, No, you are immortal being. Bahuni me vyatitani janmani tavacharjana. You and I have experienced many, many births and deaths but we remain constantly in existence. So that was our first paradigm shift. That explained who I am. I am that immortal being. And then what is my relationship to the world? This chapter changed the next paradigm. Right now I consider I to be an individual existing independently of this world. I am different than the world is different. The world has seemingly existence of independent things and beings. And this chapter in the beginning changed that paradigm and said, all these things and beings are existing because of me. I, the source of all the beings. And what is the relationship with each other? Is a sutre eva mani ganaha eva. They are protaha, sutre eva mani ganaha eva. Just as the beads are strung in a necklace. And even though beads seem to be independent of each other, but their existence in necklace is only possible because of the thread which is going through it. So even though I consider myself to be independent of this world, I'm connected to all other things and beings in this world through the common thread which runs through all things and beings, which we call consciousness. That consciousness is common among all things and beings. The source of all things and beings is also one and the same. So now, what is my relationship with the world? I'm part of the world, the product of the same source. It's like this Hindi movies, you know, where the two brothers are separated at childhood and then they grow up to be one to be a policeman and other to be a robber. They're fighting with each other. And then suddenly they find out that our father and mother are one and the same because there's some birthmark they see. Now suddenly all that animosity or whatever their quest of destroying other is gone. You are my brother. Our parents are the same. 
So right now I'm constantly in competition with the world. What I want, other people want. What I'm trying to get, other people are not allowing me to take. So we have a competition. Once I find out that source of my being and the being of all the things and being the world is the same, our relationship changes completely. So that's our second paradigm shift, that we are not island by ourselves in this world, but we are connected to each other. So that's the second paradigm shift. And then the third is, what is the nature of supreme? This chapter tries to explain the nature of the supreme. So we have seen in the beginning, Bhagavan said, I have two prakritis. One is higher and one is lower. Lower in a sense that one can be perceived through your senses. Gross manifestation, which I can see, touch and feel. So if somebody says, have you seen Bhagawan? Bhagawan said, you are seeing me every day. You are meeting me in your marketplace every day. In your home, in your office, in your play field, everywhere you are seeing me. You are just not recognizing me. So the first thing, my lower prakriti is my astadaha. Eightfold lower prakriti. That is Bhumi, Apaha, Analaha, Kham, Vayuhu, Mana, Buddhi, Vahankar. These eight elements in nature, the five great elements and three with the subtle elements, mind, Buddhi, and Ahankar. He said, This makes my lower prakriti. So, what is the nature of the Supreme? He said, You know me in your day-to-day life, you are recognizing my presence but not recognizing it, the Supreme Being. So, to answer the question with the nature of Supreme Being, he said, I have two natures or prakritis. These two prakritis are the womb of all the things and beings. So, I am immortal being have relationship with the world as part of this world. And the Supreme is the source or the Father of all the beings. But what we don't recognize is higher Prakriti. So if we start recognizing the lower Prakriti, so in the quest of your meditation, first you start recognizing that unity in your day-to-day life. And see the commonality between you and the things and beings around you. Therefore, he said, recognize my lower nature, which is everything that you can can feel and touch. But other than that is my higher prakriti, which is actually the support for the lower prakriti. A lower prakriti cannot exist without that higher prakriti. A consciousness is the source is the commonality among all things and beings. We can conduct class because we are all conscious. If we are not conscious, there won't be any class. So the consciousness is common among all of them. And then he said, Bijam mam sarvabhutanam viddi sanatanam. I am the eternal seed of all beings in this world. Now the operative word here is sanatanam eternal seed. I am the source from which everything comes out. But in our day-to-day life when we look at the any plant growing up 
obviously we need seed for a plant to grow. We know for sure. But what we know is when the plant grows, the seed is destroyed. Seed is no more. You can't say, well, bring it back. I gave you some seeds. You have now your plant, but I'll give my seeds back. No, my seeds are gone. Seeds are transformed into plants. So if the Bhagwan is the seed for all the beings and out of which this Jagat came, what happened to that seed? Has Bhagwan become this world and now he is no more? Well, you can't be both. You can't be seed and a plant at the same time. But he said, I'm eternal seed. Seed also remained and the plant also is in existence. So that's the conundrum. What is the relationship between I and my source? So Bhagwan, when he decided that he's going to create this universe out of his own self, obviously the only material available to him was his own self. So first thing we have concluded from our intellectual hypothesis that Bhagwan could not have created this world by borrowing, stealing or acquiring material from somebody else. There was no other supplier available. Because if you take the hypothesis that no, Bhagwan had a supplier of material, then he is not Bhagwan. I am only interested in the source of my being. So what is my source? Actually the material which created this world is the source of my being. So I can say, tell me the source and that's my Bhagwan. You are not. You maybe you know how to create this world, but he is the material supplier. And we go to the material supplier and say, where did you get the material? And so I, I got from other Bhagwan. Well, that is my Bhagwan. But that inquiry can go into infinity and I'll never find the answer. Therefore, the hypothesis of Bhagwan had the material from someone else is wrong. So the only hypothesis work is his self was the material. Now the question is what happened once he decided to create this world out of his own self, what happened to that Bhagwan? Did he remain God or he became this world? So then you have to look at from the other possibilities. The transformation can take place from one thing to another and that transformation will be permanent just like the milk and the curd. If the yogurt is made of a milk, the transformation is complete. You cannot reverse it back. I can't get the milk out of the curd anymore. If I think I need some milk for my tea, no chance. It's all yogurt now. So that's permanent. Well, that we think is not a good hypothesis because he says I'm eternal seed. I remain who I am and still created this world. All things and beings come out of me, but I remain who I am. So the transformation of him in this becoming this world is not a permanent one. The next possibility would be water and ice. Ice can become water, water can become ice again. It can go back and forth. So maybe Bhagwan becomes Bhagwan, then becomes world, and then goes back and becomes Bhagwan again. Well, that doesn't seem right also because Bhagwan and the world remain at the same time. How do we know it? Because there are laws in nature. He's a lawgiver, and he also enforces those laws without any exception. That means he's there. If he's not there, laws will not be followed. So he remains him, and still we remain who we are. So the only third hypothesis works. Maybe he never became this world, but we see this world as what it is. Just like the snake and the rope. Rope exists, at the same time snake exists from a two different point of perspective. One who has the knowledge of the rope, he sees the rope, 
one who is confused, this is the snake. So Bhagavan said, Bijam Mam Sarva Bhutanam Vidhi Partha Sanatanam. I am the eternal seed of all beings. All beings come out of me, but I remain the eternal seed without any mutation in it. Buddhihi Buddhimatam Asmi. Now again giving more examples so you can contemplate on him. I am the intellect in intellectual beings. I can express my intelligent ideas only while I am alive. Dead Neil Bhatt cannot give any Gita lecture. Because that intellect is only the expression of my consciousness. So, buddhihi buddhimatamasmi tejaha tejasvinamaham I am the splendor in everything that is splendid. Anything which we see is wonderful. So anytime you go to some natural beauty, you say, what God's creation? Because you're awed by the nature's splendor. The Bhagavad said, that's me. Without me, no splendor can exist. Balam balavatamasmi. Now this, he changes slightly the the nature of the examples. So he says, Balam Balavatamasmi, I am the strength in strong. But Swamiji explains that my strength you will never be able to know till I express my strength by either getting angry and slapping somebody or something which is incredible I do. And so he's really strong. But those expressions come only out of my desire and attachments. I have desire to show. Every artist has this problem. If nobody is there to clap, what is the point in me singing, right? I'm always looking for an audience. So in, in the initial days, when I started at Chinna Mission, I said, I'll sing the bhajan last. But I want to make sure that everybody is there. But if I sing first, that means only few people will be there. You know how the Indian gatherings are? In the beginning, you start, there are only few people. Then gradually, by the time the dinner time comes, Everybody is there. I want to sing last, so everybody can listen to me. I have a desire to express whatever the talent, whatever the strength I have. That desire makes me express my talents, my strength. But he says, Kama Raga Vivarjitam. I am the strength in the strong, but without any desire or attachment. So this desire and attachment are there out of my confusion about myself. My hypothesis in life is wrong in the first place. That I'm this mortal, incomplete being. That hypothesis has created all the wrong results. Because I started with the wrong hypothesis. I'm a mortal being. I have a limited time to live. And I have only way I can make happiness is acquiring and accomplishing things. And therefore, everything I'm doing is karma and raga. Karma is something which I don't have. I want to acquire. And raga is something which I acquired. I want to keep it. So Bhagavan says, Kama Raga Vivarjita, one who has no fear of losing anything, or one who has nothing to acquire. He already owns everything. He's a Kama Raga Vivarjita. I am that strength in strong, which does not require any desire or anger. Dharma aviruddha bhuteshu kamo asmi bharatarshava. One he says, I'm a Kama Raga Vivarjita. And then next line he says, I am a karma. I am desire itself. But which is dharma aviruddha. See, we have constantly this confusion about 
uh, this Hinduism teaches us to be without any desire and attachment and say, how can I live my life? I just can't live my life if I have no desires and no attachment. And no attachment, I won't take care of my family. The only reason we take care of our family is because we are attached to them. We worry about their well-beings. We do things because we have a desire to accomplish something. If I get out of all of this, so this is not a practical religion. But once I know, karma is very much necessary for evolution. Life has to aspire to manifest. Then only life comes into being. You know, Khalil Gibran says that your sons and daughters are not your sons and daughters. They are the expression of life itself. Whether you stop them or not, life will express itself. So I am that desire, that primordial desire in all beings to evolve, which is in line of the dharma, which is the very nature of things and beings. We are, as per Vedanta, we are all the divine beings. Amrutasya putraha. You are the sons and daughters of immortality itself. But I am not recognizing it right now. So what is my evolution? Is going from this mortality to immortality. That's path of my evolution. That desire to rise from these limitations to infinity, limitlessness, is my dharma. I'm that desire in all beings and things to evolve from the lower to higher. Dharma aviruddha bhuteshu in all the beings. Kamo asmi I'm that desire in all being to evolve, to improve, to grow. So there is nothing wrong about any desire which makes you improve your life, improve yourself. It is when it is other way around. Any desire which will bring me down on the path of my evolution, that's what is wrong. That's what we consider sin. And the next verse he says, Echa eva sattvika bhava rajasaha tamasascha e. So, whatever beings and things you see in this world, Prakriti has three qualities sattvik, rajasik, and tamasik. And we have seen in previous discussion that everything and being is nothing but me, Tom permit is a combination of all these three. More sattva, less rajas, very little tamas, or other way around. So all the beings, out of this three, this infinite variety of things and beings have come into existence, whatever they are, matta eva iti, they all came from me only. Multicolor printing, we know only three this cartridges required, magenta, yellow and blue. With these three cartridges, we can print wonderful pictures of variety. So all these Varieties in this world is nothing but permitting sattva, rajas, and tamas. Anything which you see, whether it's sattvic, rajasic, tamasic, they all come from me. See, our confusion is anything divine or good, we think that comes from Bhagwan. Bhagwan's, you know, avatar. Anything not really good, well, that must be from some, somewhere else. All the evil qualities, evil people, wrong things, not so good things, must have come from somewhere else. Bhagwan, they all come from me whether you consider them good or evil. Donald Trump is product of the democracy of United States. So is Sanders. So is Hillary Clinton. They are product of this American democratic system. 
they all come out of the same system whether you like them or not so whether you like things or beings in this world around you and divide your world into the people i like things i like things i don't like that all expression of my being matta eva iti tan viddhi then no natu aham teshu i am not in them te mai they are in me so how can i see divinity in such an evil act of this terrorism but they are also only capable of doing it while they are alive a dead terrorist cannot do any more terror they have to be alive they have to be conscious they have to be driven by these ideas so see they are in me but i am not in them conundrum the zen cone type of a statement and so we say these are statements given by rishis for us to think about it otherwise will be a very passive lecture it makes you think what is he talking about he said they are in me but i am not in them see it's completely other way around what we normally express bhagwan is in your heart bhagwan is in me bhagwan is in all beings he said no i am not in them they are in me i am not in them in a sense i cannot be limited by my own creation the bhagwan in me and then i'm doing evil things the bhagwan is doing evil things you know i'm not in them they are in me when they recognize their divinity they will manifest divinity when they are not recognizing divinity they will not be able to manifest their divinity is the room space in the room or the room is in the space the space is what it is we created the conditioning space never get polluted never get divided never changed never had to import from hanover county it was always here i just created conditioning when i remove the conditioning it will go back to so the world when comes into existence at the time of its creation all things and beings are there and we think that god is divided in them i have myself and yourself or himself or herself in the dissolution there is no beings but he is still there in the deep sleep i have no ideas and no mind but i still exist as a conscious being natu aham tesho i am not in them but they are in me they have the limited existence depending on their conditioning and when they rise out of that conditioning that they will recognize their own self that the quest of life to get out of this conditioning identification with the conditioning you know identify with the core of your being and that's where we will stop om sarve bhavantu sukhina sarve santu niramaya sarve bhadrani pashyantu मा कचि दुख भाग भवे ओ शांति 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 हरि ओ श्री गुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओ